opportunity to uh, reflect on uh, what's being said this evening. Uh, important thing to listen and not just listen to the words but uh, listen to how they affect you. You're aware your mind is open, receptive. Because words have a have an effect on us, they can make us they inspire us, inspire our minds, or we can become frightened or angry or <clears throat> whatever, just by using various words, various emotional tones of voice. <clears throat> Because it's a, a sensitive realm that we live in, it's like this. Sensitivity is like this. And so we, these are sensitive forms. Human bodies, eyes are sensitive, ears are sensitive, nose is sensitive, the tongue is sensitive. The whole thing, the body, mind, nama rupa, is all about sensitivity. It's feeling, it's pleasure and pain. Uh, so this is this is the realm we live in, and this is being born in the sensitive form. The conscious entity in the universe is like this. Now you can take it personally, is what we do out of avicca, ignorance of Dhamma, then we, we take it all personally, like I am this, I'm a very sensitive person and, and, uh, this, and I suffer a lot because when somebody does this or says that or this happens or it doesn't happen and then I get upset or offended or life is difficult and people are, uh, you know, the society is materialistic and insensitive, and and um, we can we can see it all in terms of you know how it it affects us on the level of our personality. 
everything taken personally. Or we, in, in terms of Dhamma, we're looking at it now in terms of the Buddha seeing the Dhamma, or the awakened mind observing the way it is, knowing the way it is. So, so much of the ignorance of the world uh, you know, is around just not understanding the, the basic uh, facts the way it is. They don't, not very many people are aware of that. I think we've got a, they're always uh, complaining or upset or offended or full of anger and resentment, revenge, blame, and and then they want they want happiness and security, and to be understood and accepted and to be loved and and be protected and have fair systems of government and equal opportunities for all and and because that would be very nice if everything were uh, you know the way I want it, the way it should be, according to an idea. An ideal is is the way things should be, and that is a function of our mind that we can we can imagine, we can create ideas of of the best where things reach their peak and things are at their very best and what they should be. And then the way they are, now we, can, we compare experience with the way life should be. We feel, you know, there's a lot wrong. Either it's my fault, your fault, God's fault, the society's fault, somebody's fault. Because it shouldn't be like this. Not fair. I don't like it like this. So, uh, in the in the Buddhist teaching, he's pointing to this this sape uh, sankarani cha, the the changingness of that we're experiencing always in the present, because we're because the uh, thinking mind can fixate on ideas, and then you you get this kind of endlessly trying to. Uh, you're thinking your life through with ideas and you're missing the way things are. You're missing out. You're not with the flow of life because you're, you're getting attached to ideas, to perceptions, to, to ways of looking at the experience that are fixed. As soon as you put a name to something, it kind of fixes it. But when you don't really name anything, you just watch, you just open in the state of awareness, then, then you don't need language even or names. We're aware of just the way it is, the changingness of, of your emotional habits or the feelings you're having or the sensory experiences that you, you are, uh, having at this time, at this moment. 
because all sankaras are impermanent and this inexorable changingness is witness to what is it that can witness and observe change and then we carry the idea of everything is impermanent we think well even that's impermanent and uh, we but 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 in terms of experience right now the thing that's stable is the awakenedness of the mind isn't it we're not talking about on the ultimate level of uh, the macrocosmic view that God has but from direct experience as we're we're having it right now because this is what we can know not we can't know uh, everything about everything and how it all began and who created this and uh, and all the rest but we can know this the way it is now so the the constant factor or the the thing that holds in in uh, that that doesn't change uh, is the ability to uh, to sustain attention we forget it when we get caught up into the changing conditions but as we let go let go and and are not grasp then we realize the the amata dhamma or the deathless reality so that's where the 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 uh, uh, through awakened awareness through paying attention to in the present then that's the gate to the deathless aparuta desangamantasa taura gates to the deathless Then of course we want to know who it is, who it is or what is it that knows. <laughs> We'd like to have a name for that. The God or is it my true self or is it Buddha nature or what? Because we, we feel comfortable when we can name it. We'd like to, we, we think that something is more real if we have a name for it. When the, the Buddha almost refused to name it by because uh, it's uh, it doesn't need a name. It's, it's realization. It's reality. So we're we're not we don't need to put it in some category or define it. <clears throat> Interesting when you trust in there's more than then then like the Sagadatta I am that and all the things like that make sense or or Jesus says I'm the way, the truth and the life or or the Buddha after his enlightenment when when he announced him I am the uh, perfectly enlightened one. He can uh, those kind of statements because they're not coming from uh, 
from the ego, from the conditioning of the mind, from the personality, the sakaditi. But the danger always with the with the pronoun I is that it's so so identified with the ego, isn't it? Just the word, just the pronoun, English pronoun I, is, immediately throws you into your egotistical habits. I am Ajahn Sumato, and I was born there, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I'm like this, and I'm like that. So the the pronoun uh, of I is, you know, emotionally it uh, it puts us, uh, throws us back into that sense of the ego. Do you think when the Buddha announced, when the ascetic stopped him before he, uh, you know, on the way to the deer park, and before he gave his first sermon, the ascetic stopped the the Buddha and said, oh, what is it you discovered? You look so radiant, so peaceful. And the Buddha said, I'm the perfectly enlightened one. At least according to the scripture. <laughs> and uh, was he, was that um, his ego operating? <laughs> or was that a very direct uh, a very direct uh, teaching but the ascetic uh, you know was still bound by the ego so he couldn't understand it the skies of you know must be crazy I contemplate this, and when you even the word "I" and "me" and "mine," it's, you know, you can he- you can hear these words in your mind. And they, I am what I think. If you want my opinion, what about me? Uh, and the, these always this sense of you know, I am this body, and I'm this person, and my feelings, and what I've done with my life, and. If you want my opinion about this, and if, if what I think, in my view, and this is mine, it's not yours, <laughs> and oh, it's full of this, it, it creates this sense. When I start thinking me and mine, and I am, and, and all my ego, all my my, it, it brings up all my memories. Not all of them, but many it will come up, you know. I'm I'm person. I have a past. I have a passport. I have a birth certificate. I've done all kinds of things. I have a cur- curriculum vitae. I have uh, all kinds of things, uh, books with my name on them, pictures and photos, portraits. Records in 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 filing cabinets, on database, on internet. <laughs> so the 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 this, uh, the the sakayaditi, 
the personality, the sense of me and mine in regards to the the five kanas, the rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vinyana. So when the Buddha gave his first sermon, uh, which was actually a second, <laughs> uh, he said, "There's suffering. There is the cause. There are the causes. There are there is the end of suffering. There is the way of non-suffering." So rather than using, uh, "I'm the all enlightened one," he uses probably the five. Uh, his five colleagues would have just, uh, you know, not understood that yet. They wouldn't. They weren't ready for "I am the perfectly enlightened." When they, they needed to start from. There is suffering. There are the, these are the causes, the cessation, and the path. So the dukkha, then, is, is the. Uh, the first noble truth. We 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 emphasize that over and over again. To is the is the key. Is the key to the door. Is the clue the Buddha gave. Understanding suffering leads to non-suffering. Now this is something you have to prove uh, through meditation, through reflecting on experience. That's something you can prove for yourself. You know, it's not, not uh, an esoteric teaching that that you have to believe in. It's how you relate to suffering. You respond to it. Just on the, on a retreat now, the winter's retreat. This this uh, three months uh, retreat. Just that that perception of three months retreat uh, has an effect on the mind. Now it's it's about half over, so we I think we have another month or more. Another month, another four weeks. So, the, this is in terms of time and, and and perceptions of retreat, winter retreat, and how they affect the mind. Then we we notice our own, uh, say, wanting to, thinking that this is a time we've really got to work hard in order to make the most of this retreat, and I've got to develop this, and and uh, got to deal with this this problem and get rid of that hindrance and those defilements and and. Anyway, the, the whole I am process can operate on a retreat. You know, we can go through the whole 
three months based based on the assumption that I'm I'm meditating and I'm I have to do this and get that get rid of this and become something. But when we bring this into our consciousness, uh, say when we, when we start paying attention, listening, like the Sotawanta is the one who, who pays attention. Soda is like, like a listener. The Sotawan listens, pays attention. <coughs> They're not grasping anything, they're just open, receptive, trusting, Bamunjantu Satang, resting, kind of totally, uh, kind of relaxed into that state of awareness, of attentive listening. The, uh, in the Mahavanga, this statement, Aparuta de Sangamatasataura, when the um, uh, Sahampati convinced uh, when, when the Lord Buddha was enlightened, you know, his first reaction was, uh, "What I know is too subtle. There's no, no. It's, it's a waste of time to teach this to anybody." And uh, then the Brahma Sahampati, the God, uh, the Brahma God, came and said, "Please," uh, and convinced the Buddha for the welfare of those with only a little dust in their eyes, uh, teach the Dhamma. And then the Buddha made the statement, Aparuta de Sangamanta Sataura Yesodavantaba Munjantu Satang. So the gates to the deathless are open. Those who, for those who pay attention, uh, relax, Relax into that state of attention. Trust in that state of attention. But the English translation in the Mahamanga is horrific. It says, <laughs> "The gates to the death with uh, gates to the deathless are open. Uh, those who listen must get rid of all their." Belief in other religions, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> but contemplating there, I think Pali, sometimes they did the Bamunjantu Satang is is not an easy one to put into English language. They saw the one time Munjantu Satang. Where, you know, you could tell that the previous translator into English with the Mahavaga was, uh, somebody who probably never practiced Buddhism at all, was some scholar, some academic. And, uh, and, and they were, they had this idea of Buddhism doesn't rely on faith, you know, it's a, Wisdom religion, they don't, they don't have beliefs. Because the word faith 
you know, to a to an atheist or to an agnostic or to somebody that you know has an axe to grind against Christianity is like you know faith is a, a bunch of idiots, and so uh, um, so the the word sata sada is translated as faith, but sada isn't isn't is always. Uh, something is good, you know. It's not like uh, believing in superstitions or, you know, grasping doctrines, uh, superstitious doctrines or things. But it's uh, sada is never uh, can, can never be translated as believing blindly in something. Now this is where you know the you know the. the the uh, the biases of those translating the scriptures influence a lot about how they how it comes across. But as we practice, you know, and, reala- and realize the um, you know and realize dhamma in, through our own uh, insight, then uh, it all becomes quite clear. The like. Bhamunjantu Satang used to baffle me. Release your faith, or one other translation is release your faith, or release your faith. That that doesn't make any sense, does it? Release your faith. Nonsense. (laughs) So, so, but in terms of experience, if you pay attention, if you listen, if you're aware, there's that state of poised attention in the present, listening, and relaxed, and not in a kind of in a, in a kind of in a nervous kind of uh, tense. Uh, uptight way, but in an open, relaxed state of awareness, pamunjantu, to let go or relax into that with faith, trust in in your ability to pay attention, to be aware in the present. So it, it's you know, it's not saying you have to believe this, but it's 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 a kind of an invitation. The Buddha, when he makes this announcement, it's like it's like a a joyous statement. The gates of the deathless are open. That's quite a magnificent thing to state. It's a proclamation about Utade Sangamatasatauran. How many of us ever thought of it that way before? You know. Case of the deathless, they're open and deathless. Well, I mean, we come from such really gross materialistic backgrounds and such kind of uh, modern uh, Western civilization has become so kind of uh, vulgar and uh, limited in its perspective so that we, you know, we just think of the deathless just doesn't, we don't even have, the word doesn't even mean anything to most uh, Western people. 
what we have in Christianity, we have eternal life, something like that, that you you get when you die. If you, something like eternal life. It's kind of, it's like a very abstract idea. Uh, but it, it just like you live forever and ever. You, when you die, then you go to heaven and, and that's forever and ever. Time that goes on endlessly without stopping. Forever and ever. I'm just thinking about how my own mind works. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to say that you think like I do. But the, at least that's how, how I would, I used to interpret. I used to think when I was a child and say, my mother say, if you're good, you go to heaven and you live with God forever. And I just thought, well, forever is like, you just, endless time time goes on and on and on and on and on and on and you live with God all the time (laughs) I wasn't sure whether I would like that (laughs) but deathless uh, and uh uh, or the um, unconditioned, uh, the amata dhamma. It's it's not it, it, it's not it it transcends time. Time in in Buddhism is always about uh, sankaras, birth and death, beginning and ending. You can't have endless time. Uh, it, it doesn't uh, logically in the Buddhist uh, way of thinking can you? you can't have something that's born and never dies it just doesn't compute uh, so that that uh, endless time is, is an impossibility you know, logically in the Buddhist sense and then ter- in terms of experience that's just thinking and, and, and reasoning, reasoning it out. But in terms of experience, this is where we, you know, in meditation, we're, we're experiencing this now. We're not, we're not believing that there's some kind of like a deathless realm that that uh, that will uh, that we'll tune into, we'll, we'll, we'll get. It's not like, I mean, those are, but the word deathless or amatta is a, is the absence of birth and death. So the, the, um, conditioned and the unconditioned, and then the, another in the, uh, I think the thing you think, Nikai, the, where they, the, there is the unborn, unconditioned, unborn, uncreated. Uh, Therefore, there is escape from the the condition, the born, the created. That's another magnificent statement. So then this is putting it in terms of Conditioned, unconditioned, born and unborn, created and uncreated. 
No, like uncreated, unborn, unconditioned, or deathless. What is this now in terms of experience? And this is like the the koan or the conundrum that that uh, we have to realize. The answer can't be given. Now, nobody can say, "Well, it's this or that," <laughs> uh, but it's a, it has it's a realization. It's a, like third noble truth is is uh, the uh, realizing that. Well, you, by, by listening, by attention, by keeping the mind, uh, by trusting in your ability to pay attention, to be awake, as you let go of, of the conditioning of your mind, you no longer uh, believe and attack. And, and are influenced by your thoughts and emotional habits anymore. As you, as you begin to uh, let go of them, no longer just react or believe or get intimidated by them. So in meditation, at first we have to pay, we have to be patient with the with our karma, in the the way our mind works. The, the fears and the desires and the habits that we have. We have to, you know, so they, as you all know, when you start meditating, then these things just go on. They rattle away and, and they get obsessed and all kinds of memories come back to you and emotions and fears and desires and all that come, come into consciousness. And uh, I, I want to abide in the Amata Dhamma, get out of all that mess. <laughs> but it's not a matter of, of trying to get rid of it, but using the dukkha, understanding dukkha, using the experience of suffering. And, and to do that is to be patient with it, to, to really let it be what it is. To do um, not make a problem about it. To trust in just your in 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 your ability to pay attention to it, to let it be this way. As soon as you get back into the me and mine uh, probleming, and then you're you're back into oh. Anger, I've got to do something about my anger, or my fears, or my uh, repressed feelings, or my uh, resentments, my, and, you know, my lack of this, or I'm too much that way, or, and then it, then it, and once you, you operate, you, you grasp that sense of all oh, this is mine, this is, my problems, these are my desires, these are my fears, my habits, I am this way, then it, then you're caught in the uh, samsara vata or the cycles that just go round and round. Because that's what it seems like when you're caught in that realm of me and mine, the sankharas, 
just one thing goes on to another. It just it seems like an endless cycle, a dreary, boring, tedious cycle of the same, of just repeating the same things over and over and over again. So it, uh, you know, that realm is is uh, is is uh, it's like that. And what you, if you notice, just the how one thought goes on to another. Then you start thinking, and then one thing goes on to another thing, an association, and so forth. And so you just, and, and you, you try, the more you're trying to stop your thinking, you're doing it because you're grasping the idea that thinking is you, your problem, and you don't want to do it. You'd like to get rid of those thoughts or those emotions. And, and so you're caught in the cycle again. And you just, wound up and like into that cycle, grasping it, and you go around and around with it. But then the suffering of that, as you understand the suffering more and more, recognize it, then you, then you can uh, have the insight into letting go of desire. Second noble truth. Letting go. And that letting go it can't be rejection or denial or repression. It's, it's like putting something down. Instead of hanging on, you know, grasping and holding things, you're just letting them be what they are. They're like this. Then you, then you, in just that simple Ability to let things be is letting go. Letting go isn't uh, getting rid of things. Letting things be what they are. They're like this. And so then they, then you're aware of them as change, anicca. You, you're able to observe the, the movement. I notice with emotions, when I really accept my emotional feeling in the present and just let it be this way it's 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 uh, changes there's not there's nothing stable in it that that can uh, that uh, has any any uh, stability or any lasting quality but if i'm caught in my emotional habits either through following and believing and and just getting carried away by them or just trying to get rid of them, deny them, repress them, then it, it seems like, then you're identified with them, and you're, you are your emotions. And if they're not very nice emotions, then you're not very nice. So you, you just, uh, and you're caught in that, that delusion of me and mine that with a problem that uh, you've got to get rid of. Or that you believe in. You actually believe you are somebody who uh, has this problem. But in that, just that slight shift from, from me and mine to just the pure awareness, you can't even see it. Nobody knows. 
Because it, it's a, what they call an imminent act. It's internal. Subtle, just let, relaxing, letting things be. Then, then, uh, then you, then you can, as you trust in that. At first, it's difficult because we don't, we don't uh, trust it. We're, we're, we are because we're conditioned to, to try to control things all the time and get this and get rid of that. And because it is subtle, and that we we don't usually know it or aren't aware of it till we start paying attention. So then you you realize you 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 begin to recognize non-attachment. Now non-attachment then is 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 peaceful it's like a relief the um, the world is uh, in in endless is you know just seems to uh, it's full of liking and disliking and and preferring this over that and wanting and not wanting and and uh, all kinds of right and wrong this is right and that's wrong and this is good and bad and and uh, what it should and shouldn't be the world is uh, is is always going to be producing these these dualisms, and so you get people that are caught in being right. They've got righteous views. This is right, and that's wrong, and this is fair, and that's not, and this is what should be, and this is what shouldn't be, and this is good, and that's evil, and we we and we we get caught into that. Believing it because it it's right and it's good. <clears throat> then what happens? Mm-hmm. You, you like fundamentalist approaches to religion are like that, aren't they? They're they're justified uh, in like the the fatwa on Salman Rushdie is a, is an example. You know, it's God's will that that. Whoever kills uh, the writer Thalman Rushdie will be doing a good deed, and the and the Iranian government will pay them what a million pounds or something. This is that's based on righteousness. I mean, uh, to to a Buddhist, it's mind-boggling how you can, but yet, but that is the. What fundamentalist uh, religion does, it, it's, uh, it's attached to views about what's right and good, what is evil and what is bad, what's wrong. So we can, we can be that way too. It's easy to get on our high horse and condemn you know, things we think that's bad. That teacher is bad. That religion is 
evil. That is an evil force. And we shouldn't have anything to do with them. They're bad. And, and, uh, this kind of wanting to seek revenge. We should, we shouldn't allow these bad people to get away with things. We've got a, like, now the, this uh, build up with the Saddam Hussein. He's an evil tyrant. He's bad. And we've, we shouldn't let him get away with his stockpiling chemical and biological weapons. Uh, we've got to kill him. Because that's right. <laughs> we can't let him, we can't let him get away with all his evil habits. So we seek revenge based on what we believe is right. So it's a very powerful, uh, very powerful emotion to be right, isn't it? Righteous indignation is, is a very powerful emotion that, in which justifies, uh, violent actions. Like the, these, uh, these ones that, uh, bomb abortion clinics. You know, they're, they're for the right to live and all that. Uh, and they're so attached to the idea of that abortion is evil uh, that they can commit a violent act uh, to, to uh, destroy or kill off uh, surgeons or doctors that perform abortions. That's, uh, that's what happens when you're... When you're the world is like that. I mean, even even the best of the world will always have that. You know, it's basically a delusion, and and the, and so even at its best, it's never satisfying. There's always this sense of something wrong, or something will go wrong in the near future, because it's a belief in time. It's based on on blind on the habits, uh, the conditioned habits we have that come from not understanding, not having awakened the truth. Then we think, and our emotions are conditioned by those habits of uh, uh, based on ignorance. But then the awakened mind. And the, The simple, it's not belief. You say you have to believe in the Buddha nature, or in the Buddha mind. <laughs> that would, that would uh, be uh, heresy. You could seek revenge, <laughs> but uh, you could. They don't excommunicate in Buddhism. It's pretty. In Buddhism is a kind of. Uh, because it isn't uh, doesn't lend itself towards that vision, that way of thinking. It, uh, you, I think you get more fanatical. Fundamentalist Theravadans, you know, people who really hold to... You know, the Buddha taught this, and he didn't teach that Mahayana, and 
and we're right we've got the real Buddhism and those Mahayanas are all you know they, there's something wrong with them and strong views about our Buddhism is right and their Buddhism is, is not so right and that's so we can be very intolerant also as, as Buddhists because we're grasping views about Buddhism but if you really uh, uh, so the Buddha didn't teach to grasp views about Buddhism but to uh, investigate the experience of suffering so to do that you have to awaken to your suffering isn't it? you have to admit that you're suffering you have to recognize it understand it not, not blaming on anybody suffering is like this And then the causes of grasping desire, let go, letting go of desire. So it's awakening to the way things are, to desire, to recognizing what desire is, what sense desire is, like this, what bhavadana, desire to become something, is like, feels like this. Vipavadana, desire to get rid of something, is like this. You know, there's this knowing. Uh, direct it's direct knowledge insight so it's not not a matter of believing in Buddhism but in in uh, realizing the Dhamma that the Buddha emphasized made his emphasis and his uh, his uh, way of teaching was through uh, po- pointing to the obvious common bond we all share as human beings, dukkha. One feels like the Americans are all poised, ready to blast the hell out of Baghdad. There's a tremendous kind of anxiety everywhere. Because basically that that is, uh, you know, you know who's going to get killed, not Saddam Hussein. <laughs> and so, you know, he's got innocent people that happen to be in the wrong place. Uh, you know, ordinary men and women, children, uh, they don't have any, you know, you can't blame for anything other than they they're Iraqis. So, so this is, uh, uh, and you, you, you realize that this is just the way the world is though. That uh, this, uh, this, the world has always been like this. And we do it too, isn't it? With the, with the we can see these tendencies within ourselves, wanting to seek revenge, you know, getting indignant, wanting to excommunicate, wanting to get rid of this person, or, or you know, getting on our having our own views about what's right and what Buddha taught and what's wrong and and. Uh, 
having we can be very opinionated we have various views about meditation even in the Vipassana just take Vipassana they're different strong views about how you really practice Vipassana people get into kind of into various uh, strong emotional states about Vipassana And that, all that is due to grasping, isn't it? If, you, if you're caught in, in, you know, in having an axe to grind or a strong view and you're upset by somebody else or what somebody else does, what, what, am, what am I grasping? What is it that I'm grasping? back with the with the teaching again with the, what the Buddha taught suffering causes cessation and power time we'll also see that, that to to see a practice not to make it into a big deal like you know you gotta really get somewhere but but if you have that then notice that feeling you know, you know that, that compulsive feeling an obsession I've gotta become something I've got to get something I don't have yet I've got to get rid of something. Bad habits that I have, I've got to get rid of them. And this awareness of that, that basic delusion, I'm somebody, I am somebody, I am this person who's this way, and I should, shouldn't should be like this. Right? I've got to get something, I've got to get rid of something. I, I contemplated that a lot over the years, just that in myself, that, that, that the vibe, I've got to get something I don't have yet. I've got to get rid of something I have that I, that's blocking, that's an obstruction to my practice. I can actually hear it, you know, as I listen, I can, it, it becomes like that, that's a, that's a habit of the mind. That's a basic assumption that comes out of avicca. And if you trust in this, that simple awakeness, the ability to listen, then then people get up saying, "You mean I don't? I shouldn't be doing anything?" <laughs> Look at that one next. If that's what we, <laughs> I shouldn't. I shouldn't. I shouldn't practice. I shouldn't try to get samadhi. Or <laughs> it says in the books, <laughs> and they quote the scriptures. But uh, 
but in the, the, the Sotavanta listens to the whole scenario, to the to both sides. That's why it's a Bamunjantu time to trust, the, to to relax in that state of pure attention. Trust it. It's the and, and, and as you as you trust it more, then then you, the the delusions that that come up, the very strong emotions of views and opinions that will arise in your mind are seen in terms of their changingness, rather than in terms of their yours and their good or bad. giving various clues on how to, you know, recognize the sound of silence and work with that. And so that you're, you're having, have exploring the limits and where the, you know, you, you can actually observe the way it is. Yeah, so you can, you're, you're in this present moment, the the conscious state, the physical body, the the way things are, the sound of sounds like this. There's a, and then this way as you as you open and and uh, relax and observe, it it's a natural process. It's something. Uh, it's not a it's not a creation. Buddha, what didn't create the Dhamma? He was pointing, he points to it. It's not a kind of his teaching and that he created. But the, the vulnerable truth is a skillful means he used to realize, to see the, the truth the way it is. So through that, awakenness, mindfulness, Mindfulness is the path to the deathless. So I offer this as a reflection for this evening. <laughs>